Hello, my name is Julia Streets and welcome to Diversity Podcast, talking about equality, inclusion and diversity in financial services. And on the podcast, we seek to shine a light on positive progress, call out areas requiring further focus and offer lots of ideas to help drive change. Before we get started today, I just want to take a moment to thank our friends at City AM for their continued support of Diversity Podcast, publishing and promoting both our episodes and our supporting blog series so their readers can stay on top of the very latest diversity and inclusion debate. Now, you may want to check out City AM's own podcast called The City View for all the latest news and opinion from the city, because we at Diversity Podcast are huge fans. Now today, I'm delighted to be joined by Angela Hurtado and Juan Carlos Mora. Angela Hurtado is JP Morgan's Managing Director, Senior Country Officer for Colombia, responsible for the firm's operations and client contacts in the country across all its lines of business. She has greatly contributed to the establishment and the expansion of JP Morgan's footprint in Colombia, both with local and international clients through the offering and the support of investment and hedging tools for the institutional and corporate sectors. So Angela, it's wonderful to have you on the show. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, Julia, for the invitation. It's an honor to be here today with you and Juan Carlos. Our second guest is Juan Carlos Mora, who is the Chief Executive Officer of Bank Colombia. Juan Carlos leads a financial group of some 30,000 employees entrusted with the mission to promote the sustainable economic development to achieve the wellness of everyone. During his 30 years career in Grupo Banco Colombia, Juan Carlos has built a leadership pathway across all areas of the organization and has played a key role in the group's internationalization, envisioning and executing a strategy to build a leading regional financial group across Colombia, Panama, Guatemala and El Salvador. Juan Carlos, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Julia. It's, it's an honor being here with you and with Angela a banker that I admire very much. I, I'm having this conversation. It, it's, it's just great. Thank you very much for having me. Well, it's going to be wonderful. And there's so much I'm really keen to get into. But first of all, I'm always keen to hear from our guests. What are you focused on right now? And Handler, let me come to you first of all. Absolutely, Julia. I think that there is a lot of focus, but one of the main focus that I'm having right now is I will call it connecting. Connecting the corporate world with the civil social associations and government initiatives. And I'm doing that through a nonprofit organization that we created a couple of years ago that is called Woman in Connection, that basically is bringing different type of initiatives through diversity. I will say one is consciousness. So basically, it's very important people, starting from myself, the process to understand and to learn from diversity has been a journey. So trying to bring that level of consciousness around the people is very important because we think that is the first step to generate empathy and to generate the change. The second, I will say, is through education. So we are very focused on generate from the beginning of our education, making sure that diversity is put on the right place. Open conversation. I think that when we are able to bring to the table conversations about diversity, it can generate a better connection between different uh, companies, between different people, 
between uh, different, I will call it, uh, that is very common right now, stakeholders around our life. I think that inviting to diversity in a very proactive and constructive way, I think that is something that I'm focused on. So I will just summarize and probably we're going to discuss further some of the points that I have mentioned, but I will think that that is one of my main focus right now, Julia. And we certainly will, because I, I, I am buzzing with questions. I have so many questions to explore. And But before I do that, Juan, I'm very keen to hear from you as well. What, what are you focused on right now? Julia, uh, as you mentioned on, on the introduction, we are a regional bank in Latin America with presence in, in four countries, Colombia, our main market, uh, Panama, El Salvador, and Guatemala. And we believe that banking, it's key to promote inclusion in our society. And what I mean is through access to financial services, we can promote that inclusion in many ways. Inclusion to the economic activity, which is a, it's key for us. So financial inclusion as a mean to access to better economic activities is one of our main focus now. And we are doing that through technology, giving access through very easy access to financial services to everybody. So we are now focused on half coverage and products for everybody. And from there, we move to promote sustainability is also a key for us. So we are working very hard on sustainability. So it's, it's inclusion, sustainability, and how to develop or to help grow the economic activity, the, the economic growth of our countries. So inclusion as a mean to better society and to promote economic development as a way to find that well-being for everybody. And doing that through technology to given access, we are very much focused now on working to give access to credit for people that have been excluded, mainly women in our markets. So those are the headlines of what we are doing at the moment. Wonderful. Thank you. And I've got questions actually regarding ESG sustainability, definitely kind of coming up a little bit later on in the show. And one of the things I was thinking about as you were mentioning that was, of course, the intersection between both your remarks is serving both in terms of providing financial services, but also connecting with them as well. One of the things I'd love to start with is a conversation about why diversity, equity and inclusion really matters at a board level. But also, how do you drive down a priority focus, if you like, the commercial imperative that we all know to be true? How do you drive that down through your middle management teams in your organizations? And Juan, can I come to you first of all? Sure. I became CEO of Juan Colombia six years ago. And when I arrived, we had a board with seven members, men, all of them. So I said, okay, that's not good. So I started to move. And now we have two women as a members of our board. And I can say how different is the dynamics in a board when you have diversity. So I, I saw that evolution of a board in which I started to have one woman as a part of the board. And then Two, so now we, I have seven members, five men, two women, but the dynamic, the dynamics on the board, the conversation, how things evolve inside a, a board is, is, is really good and bring 
different views. So that is not just that you, I, I, I experienced that myself on how the board evolves on that matters. And from there, you mentioned middle, middle management, and that's another challenge. In the case of Pan Colombia, our demographics, we have 62% of our employees are women. So on that matter, we don't have issues. But when I started to look deeper, at the end, it's not just that number, 62, 63, more than 50. It's are women really having same opportunities than men? And in financial services companies, that is not the case. Usually, financial services is a very masculine activity. And we start talking about opportunities for women in Bank Colombia. And we are moving on the board, and I told you about that, but senior management, we still have a, a way to go. I have seven reports, and just one is a woman. And now we have targets, but at the end, you have to answer, why is that? Why is not the opportunities are not there for women to move from middle management to senior management and have the same participation as men. So we start having those conversations and start setting targets and start trying to identify what are those issues that are not allowing women to move from being part of the middle management to be part of a, of a senior management. We are in that journey. And, and it is interesting talking to very senior executives, as we do on the podcast, about you know, the journey that we are all on. And I think you know, it's partly about recognising it. It is understanding the data and the reality, and then also putting some frameworks around it, which include targets as well. And Ankla, can I bring you in here as well? You know, As obviously a very senior woman in the industry, the whole point about taking diversity, equity and inclusion seriously at the board level, but also what recommendations would you bring? But how do you drive it down through the middle management layer? Yeah, absolutely. I think that I will say that one of the chapters that we have in Women in Connection, uh, Julia, I will say that there is two chapters. One is corporate policies and the other one is women in a board of directors. In the one that is Connected to the corporate policies, I think that our intention and our focus has been trying to bring the better corporate policies in terms of diversity and inclusion. Because as you mentioned, when you have a clear path for companies to go in the journey, probably is going to be easier to set some targets and probably to follow and to recognize and to understand, have flexibility. And in that other order of ideas, the recommendations or the challenges that we have been seeing is that at the beginning, the diversity and inclusion was something that was a focus on HR teams or social responsibility teams, but wasn't included on the strategy of the companies. So I think that having Juan Carlos here and other leaders in Colombia that from their role are making a commitment, it changed completely the strategy of a company. And that's what I think is probably the biggest change that we are seeing right now. If we are able to understand that diversity and inclusion is not just a chapter on the HR, but also is a way to connect with clients, with employees, with providers, with your communities, that's where people really understand that diversity brings 
real change and impact for both companies and society. At the same time, we have recognizing that there are some unintentional practices around recruiting and keeping the talent. There are also unintentional things that has happened around, I think it's not just necessary, of course, in Colombia, around the maternity leaves and how the cost of those maternities historically has impacted the implied cost to hire women. And of course, there are a lot of sectors that are very linked to the physical strength that probably is not necessarily seen as something that is very related to women. So I think that there is the different challenges. The succession plan is something that I have found a very strategic way to also generate changes. It's very difficult to assume that you are a company that wants to come from one target to another one if you don't have a succession plan ready. You don't want to make strong changes. You want to make sure that the changes that you are doing are aligned with your strategy, with your industry, etc. And I think that if the succession plans are really committed with diversity, it's going to be able to help women to develop those skills that are required to do the best of their job that at the end the company requires. How the merit is is there. But I mean, we need to make sure that the merit is what leads or leads you to make the decision. But at the same time, to get the merit, you need to have the training, the opportunities for your diverse talent in order to make the changes. And I think that when you see the cost, and probably I have mentioned this data before to you, Julia, how the impact of underserving women in the financial industry cost to the financial industry is, in, is very important. We don't have the data for Colombia, but in 2020, there was an, an study made that shows that the underinvestment in women in the financial sector in the United States cost to the financial industry $500 billion. That's in different sectors. So there is also a business case when you talk about diversity on the financial industry. And I think that the last part is on the board of directors. We have one chapter that I mentioned to you and is trying to generate the business case for companies to bring more women to the board of directors. In the case of Colombia, we had made important advances. Probably not necessarily as at the speed that these things require, but I think that there is an important commitment we are coming from around 16, 17% of women participation in board of directors in Colombia. We finished 2021 probably with a number close to 19%. So there has been an important improvement. We are part of global chapter of the 30% club that I'm sure, Julia, you know in, in England, that is like a corporate commitment to try to make at least 30% of participation of women in board of directors. Why 30%? Why not 50? Because 30% is the minimum level when you feel that there is real diversity on your board of directors. It's not enough necessary to have one. And there is also some companies that even if they have women participation in their board of directors, is coming from family. So if you try to separate, probably the number can go a little bit lower when you take out the participation of 
family members into the board of directors. So there is a lot of things that has been done. And I think that as soon as you have a leader as Juan Carlos, a board of directors that understand and bring also and are open to bring diversity is what we need to make sure that the change is coming. Well, I wonder if I could just pick up on one of the points, many, many points then. Thank you for all your thoughts on that, which leads back into some of your opening remarks, Juan Carlos, about financial inclusion. And as Angela was just saying there about the importance and the imperative of considering diversity and inclusion in your corporate strategy to serve your very diverse customer base as well. And when I think about financial inclusion, clearly is very high priority for you, as you were remarking in your opening comments as well. What initiatives and efforts are having the greatest impact? And where do you believe we should focus? As you mentioned, that's a big, big focus for us and, and it's part of our, of our strategy. Let me mention some initiatives that we, we have around that. We issue a bond in Panama, a 50 million bond with the only focus on promoting businesses, small and medium businesses led by women. So it's a 50 million bond, it's a gender bond with the only purpose of promoting the development of businesses led by women in Panama. We had the sponsorship of the ITB, was the first gender bond in Latin America, and that has been very, very successful. Then we, in Colombia, we decided to create a special line of credit just for women and for rural women, which is one of our big challenges in our countries in Latin America. In cities, most of them, they have access and they have uh, the opportunity to have a relationship with a financial uh, services company. But in rural areas of Colombia and other countries in Latin America, it's very difficult. And the numbers show that when you have an indicator of around 87% of Colombian adults have access to a financial services product, when you go to rural areas, that's 40, 40. It's amazing how the difference. So we are focusing on, on giving access to financial services in rural areas to women. And basically, we focus on entrepreneurship, women entrepreneurship, and how are we going to help them, not just with credit, but giving them access to knowledge, to tools, how they can improve the way they manage their businesses along with credit. And we set a special line of credit for that, and it's doing very, very well. And we are impacting positively the access because once they have access to resources and credit, the development of those businesses really change the community around those businesses. It's not just that business that start to improve, but employees. And there is a debate if you should have that gender focus. And, and I argue that we should. We must do that. Somebody could say, but that's also gender bias. And I say, yes, it's gender bias because we have to do it. We have to close the gap because we have a gap, a big gap, a gap that is cultural. The first point, the starting point is we need to realize that we have gender bias. Gender bias as a person, men and women, and corporate biases. And we need to talk about that, and that has been our journey. And Angela mentioned that we need to just 
take this out from HR and being more a corporate conversation and a personal conversation to realize your personal biases and the corporate bias and start talking about. And from there, you start moving. And so we have strategy, inside strategy for our employees and outside strategy with our clients around gender equality and gender opportunities. And that has been really, really successful. And we are moving and we are encouraging other companies to do this because we need to have a movement in which many companies start moving in that direction in order to close the gaps that we have. And it's fascinating sort of listening to you talk because there you're talking about very mindful product development and product propositions for your customer base, as well as a cultural change within the organization, plus the potential. I mean, I just keep thinking about the ripple effect that this will have in terms of inspiring not only a current generation or generations of women, but also the next generation coming through, which is incredibly important, and right out into the rural communities as well. Angela, I'd love to hear your thoughts, because you were talking there also about, on the board level, there's a degree of you know, women getting into positions because of family ties, necessarily. Social inclusion comes into this as well. But I'd love to hear your thoughts about social inclusion and how that flows out into sort of financial inclusion as well. Yeah, I think that when you, we are talking about financial inclusion, there is a very important concept for why it's important for women to have better finance inclusion. There is a direct link between financial independence and reduction of intrafamiliar um, violence. Colombia is one of the countries with the highest rate of violence against women, despite of the fact that you have also one of the highest level of women participation on the working force. So those are the type of contrast that you have in a country as Colombia. We have been living probably for another podcast, a very difficult violent situation in our country that has deteriorated the power of women in many fronts. But I will say that financial inclusion is a way to recover part of that power that women have lost in Colombia. And as Juan Carlos mentioned, not necessarily on the cities. We are talking about very different regions that we in Colombia normally call that this is like another Colombia because it's completely different when we are talking about cities and when we are talking about other regions. So the access to credit, the access to credit for small companies, for small businesses is difficult in Colombia. I think it's important to have the commitment from different banks, but it's a problem in an industry around the globe. Just thinking about all the capitals that are dedicated globally to the venture capital, just between one and 2% of that goes to the women businesses. So you see that there is huge space for improvement or there is a lot of challenges that we are facing. And I think that on the other side, financial inclusion also talks about how women can make the decision when they invest. Because we are assuming that women don't necessarily have money. That's one part of the problem. But when women have money, they are not necessarily seen as a driver of investment. So that's another chapter that we want to generate around financial industry in Colombia is let's talk about women that probably can be riskier in the type of decisions that they are making on the financial system, how they can also drive the change on the 
for example, asset management industry, where we have a target of women that have important savings. Those are the type of things that I think that are important also to include into the discussion. So I think that's a perfect moment to turn to Cynthia Akinsanyo for some research to support today's discussion. There are large gender gaps in the business world of Latin America and the Caribbean, where women hold only 15% of management positions and own only 14% of companies, according to a study by the Inter-American Development Bank. The study entitled An Unequal Olympiad, Gender Equity in Latin American and Caribbean Companies also reveals that only one out of 10 companies is managed by a woman. The study was based on interviews with women entrepreneurs and a survey of over a thousand companies from countries in the region discussing female participation in their organisations, policies towards their employees and the impact caused by the COVID-19 pandemic. Among the main findings are women participation predominant significantly in areas such as public relations, And in areas such as foreign trade, women represent less than 35% of people employed. There is a higher rate of women in lower positions, 36%, than in higher positions, 25%. Women represent only 35% of the workforce that uses advanced technologies. And six out of 10 companies do not provide any type of maternity leave beyond what is determined by law. And only 15% of companies analyse whether there are salary gaps within their organisation. Thank you, Cynthia. And let's take a moment to just remind everyone about how to find Diversity Podcast and that links to all the research can be found on our website, diversitypodcast.com. And don't forget that's diversity with a C, not with an S, diversitypodcast.com. That's where you can find all our episodes and sign up for early notifications of future recordings and also our special newsletter called DE&I that caught our eye. So you can stay on top of the latest news that's coming out in the industry, driving change. Please do follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Diversity Podcast is available on Bright's Talk and all good podcast channels. And we'd really love a rating because it all helps to promote the show. So one Carlos, I would love to hear your thoughts about how diversity, equity, inclusion is being included within ESG, normally under the social, so it's environmental, social and governance, under the social and under the governance as well. And love to hear your thoughts about how this flows into the sustainability agenda. Let me give you a personal view on ESG. I think many companies around the world are doing very good things around E, the environment, and they have their agenda and we are moving forward. Still, we have a way to go and, and, and many challenges, but a lot of E. And also on G, we have many, many initiatives and standards. But the social part, the social part for me is the most challenging one. First of all, it's, it's very difficult to measure. And you need to work on all of them to really create an impact on society. There is interaction among the environment, your governance, and how you manage, and what are your practices, and what is your social impact. And all of that, it creates 
what companies should do to really be sustainable because the sustainability concept is how you become a company that is good for society so you will be there for many many times including environment so there is too much focus i think on environment and we need that because it's, it's very important and you ask okay how that combines because you need to work on those three aspects and it's key to do it and it's really important to work with all of them in order to really create so we have a chapter or a, or a pillar around environment and how are we going to help our customer base to start or to do projects around how to become better for the environment we start measuring what are their impact and then helping them create the projects and financing the projects so it's through those through those customers that you really impact but you start to first create awareness of what is going on and the importance of working on projects around energy around how you manage your emissions and it's, it's hard i mean it's hard because in countries like us a developing country is difficult to do investments or to work on investments that seems not to have a direct impact on the revenue because what you are doing is more thinking about long term so we are working with our clients and we have a pillar and so it's key to have that and the social part it's really what at the end completes the circle and creates that that positive impact on society and that's for me what business and in particular financial services businesses should do or working with the, our clients. True, it's always interesting when I have guests on the show because I, it sort of inspires me to sort of just triggers sort of extra thoughts and I can't help but feel that as you're going out and investing in some of these environmental projects and putting your green bonds to work, particularly to support women out in rural communities, that when the two of them combine, the potential for showcasing investment in women, particularly in rural communities that is based around the environment, has huge potential to make a difference. Just a quick thought, sort of while I had it. Angela, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this as well, about how does DE&I interplay with ES&G? Absolutely. I think that the ESG is a, is a very strong trend right now that I really evaluate. And as I have mentioned before, it's a way to make sure that the different companies connect closer with society. And as Juan mentioned, the, the social connection is probably today more important than ever. And why is important? We are having $30 trillion of intergeneration between the baby boomers and the millennials in the next 10 years. Wealth transmission of $30 trillion. That's a huge number. And now millennials that are the 34% of the working force are making decisions on consumption. And they are more responsible and more sensitive to the level of decision that they are making in terms of consumption. So they are going to choose companies entities that probably generate a broader spectrum and that are linked to the ESG. What is a challenge right now is that as the environmental, the social, and the governance is very difficult to measure in some ways. And it's probably one of the challenges that when you need to connect, 
that there is a financial impact, but also that there is more than financial materiality in your company. That is the double materiality, the double measure that you need to make sure that companies are having. How your results in financial terms, but also your shareholders need to understand and need to be connected that there is other ways to generate impact and to be measured as a company. The impact on the social, the impact on the environment. And for that, you, in the, in the case of the financial industry, you need to have to set by example. So you have your own measures about your consumption in your companies, in your buildings, in the lights that you are using, et cetera, et cetera, the level of carbons that you generate. That is not necessarily easy to do it, but that's something that companies are doing. And in terms of how you are driving the investment, as Juan Carlos mentioned. It's a challenge, but I think that it's a trend. Now there is a lot of impact and pressure also from the proxies, probably more in the United States and in, in other parts that are making sure that the decision that the board of directors, that the C-level in companies are making are responsible. How do you connect that with many fronts? I think that is the only way to survive for companies right now in the globe. It's not necessarily going to be easy. It has to be taken with, a lot of responsibility because you cannot necessarily avoid or destroy the companies that are making huge progresses but are having different challenges to do it. So you have to probably be more connected with companies, understand what is their narrative, understand what are the strategic plans in order to make sure that the changes and the level of the responsible decisions that you are making are clear and are driving to a better world in probably in too many years. But but I think that is something that is going here to stay. And it's wonderful to hear you kind of return to the, your opening remarks about the connectivity, which which really matters with, with community as well. So I'm going to ask you, I'm going to set you both a challenge. And literally in 30 seconds, I'd love to hear your final thoughts as we wrap up this fantastic conversation and close out the episode. I mean, I'm really keen to think about how during these economically interesting times, there is a risk that the diversity, equity, inclusion conversation falls off the board level in favour of other priorities. And I would love to hear your compelling reasons for why it really should remain high. Oh, Juan Carlos, can I come to you first of all? Because it's a good business. It's business. I mean, it's, it's a social responsibility. It's a thing that we have to do. But it's not just that, because it's a good business. I mean, and being diverse, bringing different ways of new things, creating that environment in which all people could develop their potential. They have equal opportunities. It's a good business. So it's something that it's good for society, but it's also a good business. So we all have to work on doing that and, and start realizing what are our gender bias, our biases in general, start taking care of them as a person and as a corporation and do it because it's good for society, it's good for business. So we have to do it. Wonderful. Thank you. And and of course, I'm making my opening remarks about it's, you know, wellness for all. And you can see how all this falls, comes together so beautifully as well. Thank you very much for your thoughts on that. And, and Angela, same question to you, if you would. Uh, why does DE&I matter on the board level right now? I think that doing the same thing the same way doesn't generate change. Through diversity, we have the opportunity to do the things in a better way. And that's why diversity brings. I agree with you, Julia, that there is tons of priorities around the globe, but everything that you are trying to change, bringing diversity is bringing a better way to solve problems around the globe. So I think that 
this is the way to do it. I have to say, it's been the most fantastic conversation. It's been such a joy to have you both on, to really think about this in so, so many different perspectives. When you think about it, we've talked about it from a commercial point of view, a board point of view, think about how you drive change through the organisation, practical things that we could be doing, and then also thinking through the sustainability, the ESG agenda, and then finally into why it really, really matters right now. Juan Carlos Mora, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Julia. It was it was a pleasure. Great conversation. Thank you very much for, for inviting me and, and it was a pleasure to share this conversation with you and with Angela. Well, Angela, thank you for joining us. It's been great to have you on the show. Thank you, Julia. Thank you, Juan. It has been a pleasure. And to all our listeners at Diversity Podcast, thank you as always for tuning in. I've been Julia Streets and we look forward to seeing you soon. This episode of Diversity Podcast was produced by me, Kieran Yates, on behalf of Julia Streets Productions. Thanks to Cynthia Akinsanya for her insights. You can find out more about the guests on this week's show on our website, diversitypodcast.com. And that's diversity with a C, not an S. Whilst you're there, you can also sign up to our newsletter for all our latest updates. All our episodes are available in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favourite podcast app. If you enjoy Diversity Podcast, remember to share on social media and give us a rating or review. It really helps promote the show to a wider audience. Finally, our Twitter handle is at DiversityPod. Thanks for listening.